know what they think they're doing. I think they're all insane. Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Hidden Perspective. This is Rob Greco. It's good to be back. And it's not just me who's back. I'm joined today, and most likely for the foreseeable future, by a previous guest of the podcast, Julian Angelados. Jules, good to have you back on the show. Oh, mate, it's very exciting to be here. Thank you. It's a pleasure. So just so the audience knows, the plan is to change the format of the show slightly. Um, I do intend to keep the research part of the show the same, you know, that part of the show that tries to provide reliable, nonpartisan information on political issues as best I can. But I thought it would be fun to have another voice to discuss that with. So I've landed on Jules. So yeah, it's, uh, it's good to have you here, Jules. It's very exciting, mate. I was uh, I was talking to my housemate before we started, and you know, in a previous life, I was very political. Did a lot of this, did a lot of debate, did a lot of debating. You know, upset a fair few people at lunchtime, and I've sort of walked away from this. And I was like, oh, I don't even know if I actually want to talk about politics and and current events. And you're really selling it, I, Jules. Well, no. the The point here is, I think. If you've got a hesitation in wanting to talk about these things, and I think that's the right place. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Well, I want, to, uh, I want you to bring that piss off an audience uh, mindset that you brought to your debating career to, to this podcast. That's what it's all about, all right? I'll oblige. <laughs> how's, uh, how's Melbourne going? Since last time we spoke, you guys were under lockdown. It's now summer. Things have opened up. How's, how's life going for you? Uh, life's a lot better keeping everyone indoors definitely got got the virus down so you know we had the advantage of everywhere else in the country being pretty much totally virus free so yeah i think compared to the rest of the world there's especially a lot of freedom here in melbourne so it's good i'm playing music again pretty often at the moment which has been special and yeah it's sort of the borders keep closing (laughs) (laughs) so you can't you can't really plan for any interstate travel or any touring or anything, but the yeah shows in Melbourne uh, are a thing, and so I sort of have a life back. It's good. That's good. It's good to hear. You've also got your sanity back, which was on a nice edge before. So it's good to have you back, Jules. Yeah, no, I lost my shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I if, you, if you watch the first podcast, like I look like someone in agonizing pain. <laughs> Because I was in agonizing pain. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> Which is just yeah. a quick plug for the YouTube channel, Hidden Perspective. Make sure you subscribe if you only subscribe to the podcast. But awesome. So Jules, have you been have you been paying attention to what's been going on in the States? I have. I have. I I, I, I the day I went camping, I sort of lost reception and on the way in to the Great Ocean Road, I was seeing videos of strangely dressed people inside capital <laughs> office and i thought when i get back into reception i am going to youtube the hell out of that so yeah, yeah i caught up i caught up yeah. when i saw the headline a coup and then it was accompanied by an image of a guy wearing a viking hat something didn't really add up but it's not exactly what i imagined a u.s coup to look like but yeah so we're gonna launch into that right away and in case you've been living under a rock here's a quick recap so On January 6th, the U.S. Congress was set to vote to certify the 2020 U.S. election results after months of stop the steal fervor, including being one in 61 in court cases. That was the Trump campaign and uh, Trump's impassioned Twitter activity, mentioning the word rigged 157 times in reference to the election. Massive demonstrations took place in the U.S. Capitol. So Trump had urged his supporters multiple times to attend the rally, which he said would be wild. At around 2 p.m. on that day, Stop the Steal protesters turned violent. They broke police lines and stormed the Capitol building. After vandalizing the building, stealing podiums, uh, eventually the rioters left the building. But sadly, five people had died, including one Capitol police officer named Brian Sicknick, who died at the hands of a rioter, striking him on the head with a fire extinguisher. Ashley Babbitt, uh, who was a Trump fan, who was shot while trying to enter the Speaker's lobby. Kevin Greeson, a Trump fan who died of a heart attack. Roseanne Boyland, a Trump fan who was crushed in the middle of Capitol Police 
uh, fighting with rioters. And Benjamin Phillips, a Trump fan who died of a stroke. And that's all according to the New York Times. Now, it's important to stress that most of these people, I believe all of the people who were actually in the physical building were unarmed, uh, mostly unarmed. Uh, I think some of the people maybe perhaps on the periphery were armed. But in the aftermath of all of that, more than 100 people have now been arrested and that number is likely to increase. Around a week after the storming of the Capitol on Jan 13th, Trump was impeached for the second time, charged with inciting a violent insurrection. The Senate now has to decide if Trump will be convicted. Um, In any case, D.C. is now flooded with National Guard troops who are on high alert for any uh, escalating violence when uh, Joe Biden gets inaugurated. Um, And in in addition to all of this, uh, Twitter, along with most tech platforms, have banned Trump, citing violation of the terms. So that's just a quick recap. Uh, There are a few points of discussion, which Jules and I are going to get into over the course of the episode. So let's just take it back to the events of January 6th. So a lot of the talk, Jules, has been about, you know, to what extent is someone like Trump guilty and complicit and responsible for the events that took place. Um, Obviously, I've been someone throughout the last four years who's been quite sceptical of what I've deemed media hysteria, Uh, you know, this idea that Trump sitting on a toilet slightly funny is is the biggest crime. I think everything Trump Trump does seems to be uh, the worst thing on the planet. Um, So let's just start off, like, what level of blame can we assign to someone like Trump for these events? Yeah. I would say along with his Republican buddies calling the election a fraud, uh, you know, all of it. I don't know. Like, yeah, if, 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 if it's a stack of hay bale that got set alight, you know, him and his Republican buddies have poured a couple of liters of petrol oil all over it, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And also set the fuse. Like Yeah. He's uh is they're entirely responsible. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is something that I want to stress that you know, Trump has been saying ever since ever since the election that it was rigged. He's uh generated some anti-democratic or oh, this this sentiment that their democracy had been stolen away from his voters and uh I think I think you can't deny uh, that the proximate cause here has definitely been Trump's Trump's actions, and yeah, as you said, he's been aided by he's been aided by some establishment Republican types like Ted Cruz. So moving that out of the way is, I mean, people are trying to label this. Some are calling it a coup d'état, an insurrection. Is it either of those? Is it something else? Is it just a label? Does it not matter? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't know. I think I I feel like if you asked you know citizens of countries that have suffered actual government coups, I think they'd be pretty quick to say that's an unwarranted uh label. Yeah. Know? It's like yeah. like yeah. I mean it's like what they they stormed Capitol Hill and took it, you know. It's not like uh it's like it's a it's a game of like tag, you know. Yeah. Got you. Now we're in charge. Like it's not how it works. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I've got the definition of a coup here: a uh, a sudden, violent, and illegal seizure of power from a government. Um, mm. That would that would require that they have actually seized power from the government, which hasn't yeah. hasn't happened. They, like they occupied like an office building for a little while. Yeah. 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 I don't not think, the same thing. Yeah. If, <laughs> If you were if you were attempting a coup, I don't think you'd go in there dressed in a Viking hat and uh, you know sniffing Nancy Pelosi's mm. shoes when you when you get them in your hands. As some they were them. sniffing shoes. Yeah, yeah. there's there's a lot of um, a lot of that very unserious, you know, not, not really um, yeah. activity which wasn't really representative yeah. of a coup. I, I, I feel like if you were seriously trying to take down the American government. You'd probably have to pack some guns, <laughs> yeah, and some bombs. And the, the what's interesting about this particular demographic is they have guns <laughs> and bombs. <laughs> so, 
Like, I think, I don't think, you know, we'll talk about that later, but I, you know, it's, yeah. Is it a horrifying scene that a president and Republicans have been able to convince their followers that an election's been rigged and have them so upset that they trash their own Capitol building? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a shocking sight. And that, mm-hmm. and of course, unfortunately, people died, um, particularly that policeman, which was uh, appalling. And those people definitely... I mean, from the footage I saw, that policeman was hit on the head while he was on the ground. Yeah. Um, and he's just doing his job. So those people deserve to rot in hell um, and rot in jail. Maybe it's worse than that in Washington. I don't know. But I know killing a police officer is very serious and those people yeah. should be absolutely ashamed of themselves. And that, yeah, I mean, yeah. But calling this anything else, I think, other than you know, a uh, a criminal violent protest is just a stretch, I think. Yeah. Particularly when, yeah. you know, I think you you got to include the context that these people are actually that angry and actually have that many guns, you know? I mean, right, right. It's sort of yeah, and it also matters what you label it as. So if you're calling it a coup or an insurrection, presumably there are some there's some extra governmental powers that come along with that. So you can imagine heightened surveillance, heightened censorship, heightened all that. If if you are deeming these people, you know, a domestic terrorist group or something like that, I'm not too sure exactly what they are, not too sure if they have a group, if, if they are organized or anything like that. So I don't know exactly what gets extended to them. But I think I think we should all always be skeptical of a label like who when <clears throat> when in fact it's uh, a bunch of frustrated morons who are uh, dressed up as Vikings, <laughs> yeah, and like it's, yeah, it's just it's that's just that's just hysteria calling it calling it that, and it's 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 you know I think the storming of the Capitol building that's it's symbolic, right? So yeah, yeah. you know what were they screaming? It's it's our house. So yeah, you know like there was there was really strong symbolism in what they did. But uh, yeah, it's it's not a coup. Yeah, yeah, I think it's fair <laughs> enough. So another big question that has come up is why the police were so apparently incompetent for allowing for allowing these rioters into the building. So I got a few a few pieces of information here to share. So the U.S. Capitol Police has the day to day responsibility for the protection of the Capitol building. Now, to get an idea of understaffing on the day in particular, some of the doors are actually only guarded. So, some of the doors of the Capitol building are only guarded by a handful of officers. Um, some windows are completely unguarded. Um, in an interview to the Washington Post, the former chief of the U.S. Capitol Police, Stephen Sund, who had to resign after the siege, says security officials at the House and Senate rebuffed his early requests to call in the National Guard ahead of a demonstration in support of President Trump that turned into a deadly attack on Congress. But Sun's superiors said previously that the National Guard and other additional security support could have been provided but no one at the Capitol requested. Um, in addition, some statement asserts that Capitol Police were overwhelmed because officers were responding to two reports of a pipe bomb and another of a suspicious vehicle taking resources away from the Capitol itself. So there are investigations which are now ongoing. Potentially we'll get an idea at some point exactly what caused the police to be so understaffed you know, I was I was thinking I was thinking the other night, is this a product of calls to defund the police that we've been hearing in the US, you know, across across the you know, the past six months? And I don't think that argument really does apply because just um just last month, so in December, uh, Congress had actually granted the United States Capitol Police an additional fifty one million, bringing the total budget to five hundred and fifteen million. So they were given the financial backing and, you know, the the claims of the slogans of defund the police don't apply to a police source that has just been given additional funding. So I don't think we can, we can look at that. But, uh, I mean, I guess we'll have, in one sense, we'll just have to wait for the investigations to finish, Jules. But do you have any idea of 
you know, you know, why why they would be why a country like the US who spends so much on police and military, uh, the highest in the world by long stretch, would not have the resources, the men and women in the moment to protect the Capitol building. Yeah. I reckon if I wanted to lead a protest and the president of the United States was on my side, right? I feel like that's going to give me a better chance of it going well for me. You know? Yeah. So yeah. If you have that support, like, will it come out that sort of Trump was uh, puppeteering police and, and national guard to make it easy for them to make a huge show of, uh, of the protest that he was leading. I don't know, but I, it seems like if he wants to take a photo shoot out the front of some church, he can have tear gas and, yeah. you know, serious armed forces, uh, pave the way for him. So I don't know. I, I, I just don't think it should, to me, it's like, you know, am I a conspiracy theorist? Probably, but like, <laughs> people will get to learn. Uh, but like, I, I, yeah, if I'm doing a protest and the president's like, you know, storm this hill and, you know, get it like, yeah, yeah it's, it's, that's going to go well for you, surely. I'm, yeah, I mean, at the very least, we'll find out exactly, exactly what Trump did and didn't do and knew and didn't know on the day and the days leading up to that and whether he did want to create an extra show of his support uh, as as manifested through his protest through his protesters. I obviously I, I'm not going to claim that now, but I think it's important to distinguish between those executive calls that the head of a police force could make and maybe someone like Trump could make and the police in the moment. So I think there's been a lot of talk and commentary that the reason why these protesters were able to waltz right through is because the police love Trump supporters and uh, they wouldn't have treated BLM protesters so kindly but in the moment if you're a police officer and i've taken a look at the footage and i would implore everyone to do it these police officers are fighting for their lives i i don't think you could say that they just stood back and allowed protesters to waltz into the building as some people are trying to portray um there's there's also just the fact that if you if you're holding a police line as soon as your line gets breached there's nothing you can do right so you know, if it's 30 police officers trying to hold a line against, you know, 200 fully grown men who are, who've never been this angry, it's just a matter of physics that the line's going to break. So, you know, to say that, you know, these people were, you know, letting them in, letting them waltz through, I think is a stretch. Yeah. And what's, and what's the priority? I mean, look, neither of us are experts on protest management, right? <laughs> right, right. But, if your priority was to not let the bastards inside the building, that may have come at the cost of maybe a lot more aggravation and a lot more violence, right? right. So they like, you know, the way that you control that is you get a shitload more seriously armed people. Mm. You get you get those water tanks, you get all that tear gas, right? And right. you upset a lot of people they start throwing rocks and molotov cocktails back at you and right and then you escalate it, it, and yeah it turns it turns into an absolute shit show so yeah it's like what was the priority like to symbolically protect the integrity of our democracy and not let the fuckers in the building well i don't know uh, this this was a this was like the world's least deadly coup if it was a coup <laughs> you know one cop died and four um and for, you know, violent idiots. Now, it's bullshit that that cop died, you know, and it's that's not to take the mickey out of it. That is, it's, you know, it is bullshit. But that's not the world's worst, most violent, awful protest, you know, all things considered. Again, in the context of these people actually believing that their election was stolen from them, yeah, they made a mockery of the building, which, you know, that building deserves to have the piss taken out of it at every opportunity it can because <laughs> that building's full of a bunch of um, moral grandstanders uh, imposing as important and dignified when they're actually, you know, 
the gatekeepers of a fucking whorehouse. Yeah. That uh, sells <laughs> sells their country and their environment and their people out at every opportunity they can, regardless if they're Democrat or Republican. There you go, Rob. <laughs> there's the hot take. I I do want to get to that and the uh, you know, if there's any justification or any, you know, what conviction would someone like a Stop the Steel protester have in storming the Capitol? And, you know, there might be some reasons for doing that. But before we get to that, so one related issue to, you know, what the police officers were thinking in the moment, uh, would this have happened if it were, you know, a BLM protest is, has this been an idea? Um, Joe Biden tweeted this on January 7 that no one can tell me that if it if it had been a group of Black Lives Matter pro- protesters yesterday that they wouldn't have been treated very differently than the mob that stormed the Capitol. We all know that's true and it's unacceptable. Now, <clears throat> I don't know about you, Jules, but, you know, we did have in the US, there were essentially seven months of protests. Um, a lot of them were riots that seemed to go on unchecked by power. There was, uh, you know, some people died at this protest. Um, there have been 100 people who attended the protest who have have now been charged and uh, that number is likely to rise. So I just I just don't understand where this, this idea is that you can say if it were BLM, they would have been treated differently when in fact – a lot of these Trump protesters are being treated with the utmost severity and they're going to get prosecuted to the full extent of the law. So, yeah, and, and anyone with any notoriety is being exposed and heinously condemned in the media as well and right. across social media. Right, so, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, like, Joe Biden's a politician. So his yeah. job in life is to look at the events of the world and exploit them for his political gain. Yeah, of course. So I think this is an opportunity. I mean, it seems to be a well-held view, and it seemed like a lot of people were choosing to take that perspective on it, that, you know, if the protesters were black, you know, this is what happens when you protest and you're white, this is what happens when you protest and you're black. I I, I don't know, Rob. It, to me, it's like, again, like I watch the footage – I don't see what those policemen, you know, should have done. I don't see how they could have been more violent or more aggressive. I think things would have gotten way right. worse right. had they have gotten with more the resources violent. that they had for sure. So maybe, yeah, maybe they should have been better staffed. But were they like? Are we actually like? Are we thinking that the reason they weren't better staffed is because they knew that a lot of them were going to be white and not black? You know, I don't or know. Is that's you know yeah. and. Surely, surely the more important factor between the Black Lives Matter protesters and these guys is that these protesters were serving the president, and I'm sure he was ecstatic to see an historic protest committed in his name. And if there's anything he could have done to help, I reckon he did. Hmm. So, Hmm. you know, I... But yeah, you know, does we'll that, wait and I, see exactly what comes out. Yeah, I mean, another kind of related point to that is that the police unions are pro-Trump. They endorsed Trump in the last presidency. So, you know, was there some political bias? Are they going to allow the protesters to overcome well, it? I, I don't know. I, I could believe that. I yeah. Mean, yeah. And, I, and I, I could believe that police probably have a pretty strong bias against people demanding that they're you know, employment is <laughs> reduced and their yeah. funding's cut. So, yeah, maybe, like, I can, uh, yeah, I can understand why people want to have that perspective. Um, but I, I think it's, to me, it's less of an issue than the fabric of the whole American democracy coming into question, you know? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I I want to continue <clears throat> in that vein. So one thing that I think has been missed about all of this is that the US voting system has never really inspired universal confidence. So it was I touched on it in my uh, in my previous episode on you know what was the evidence for the stop the steal conspiracy and you know was the election rigged against trump and um pretty much at every election in modern history there have always been groups calling the u.s election rig it's it's one of the least trusted 
electoral voting systems in the a group of developed democracies. So you have in 2016, you have uh, Democrats calling foul that Trump was in cahoots with the Russians. And you get you get essentially a, a two and a half to three year long investigation headed by Special Counsel Mueller, uh, spoken about in non conspiratorial terms by every mainstream establishment outlet. That there's a very real prospect that Trump has been in cahoots with the Russians, and that's the reason why he won the election. And then you get to the end of the Mueller investigation, and there's no evidence of collusion. And so that's a that's how a grievance generated by establishment Democrats is treated. And then you have a grievance generated by deplorable Trump supporters that is shut out of every mainstream media source, and perhaps rightly so, but treated as if they are, you know, these conspiratorial whack jobs who have no idea what anything is in the world. And then you can understand the frustration why these people are internalizing the disparate treatment between a political grievance that is generated by an an establishment type and their political grievance. And then you can understand why that fuels frustration. And, you know, people are just acting as if, you know, there's there are no other motivating factors, no other context that would explain the energy and the anger that was behind these Trump supporters. Yeah, no, it's an interesting one. I mean, he took, they took electoral fraud complaints to all the relevant local jurisdictions, right? Right. And they, and there wasn't a single judge that wanted to even establish a case, right? Right. So, I mean, you'd have to be. There, sorry, just a quick correction. There was one case that was successful. And his okay, Trump's one was. election legal victory was a Pennsylvania judge ruled voters had three days after the election to provide proper ID and cure their ballots. Otherwise, their ballots would be thrown out. So there was one procedural victory for Trump, but it didn't it didn't indicate widespread voter fraud and you know ballot machines you know marking votes as democrats and a whole you know hundreds of thousands of ballots uh mail-in ballots all, all being biden for some apparent no apparent reason so it didn't find fraud no right and so yeah i mean like the my response to your comparison is between this and say the Mueller investigation is well you know i'd say it probably was investigated you know and it, and um any evidence that was available was surely put forward, including to um, judges that were handpicked by Trump, a bunch of right. them that were handpicked by Trump. Trump whinging, you know, right before they stormed the Capitol that uh, he was let down by people that he did personal favors for. Yeah. The judges, you know, another really awesome democratic sentiment old mate Trump puts forward. But it's like the thing is. My experience of people who are really into politics is that they just believe the side that they're on. And a president continuing after all those judges threw out his claims and a bunch of important Republicans continuing to push this agenda right. is just always going to upset and motivate the hell out of people who are going to believe them. And they're going to believe them no matter what. That's that's the sadness of uh, of a lot of politics is that people people follow their side, you know? It's like I go for the bombers. Yeah. You know? Like I'm going to stand by I'm going to stand by my football team sort of no matter what and I'm always going to think our players are great whatever, you know? It's just in football that works because it's it's sport, you know? It's mm. not um but yeah, politics is supposedly supposed to be a lot more serious than that, but I don't, I don't know, Rob. Maybe it isn't. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, I think what I was trying to get at, and you know, I think you did touch on it. So, you know, there was an investigation into Trump's claims. He had, you know, a, a one in sixty-one uh, court record, and and there was an investigation into Mueller. So both got their due. Um, I guess what I'm really getting at is that you know the way the way 
those two different investigations are portrayed to people who are everyday folks, um, you know, on the one hand, you get a Mueller investigation. It's given this credence and this credibility. The phrase conspiracy theory is never attached with it. Uh, no one would dare to call it a conspiracy theory. But then on the other hand, if you look at the the treatment and the way, you know, I guess the commentary it would look at Trump's claim, it can be as equally um, as without evidence as the Mueller investigation was, but it's it's treated completely differently. It's it 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 makes these people genuinely feel that the establishment is no place for them to take any of their political grievances. Uh, they you know a lot of these supporters even got shut out of Fox, which was their channel, and now they're on OANN. And I just you know not to say that Fox had to had to um, you know promulgate Trump's claims, but you know. America has a question to answer now. What are you going to do with 70 million uh, Americans who voted for Trump? Maybe, let's say, 35 million of them who believe that the election was genuinely rigged. If you don't give these people one ounce of respect, one ounce of, um, you know, one, one avenue for them to at least air their grievances, I don't think it's going to bode well. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think it is going to bode well. But this is the this is what's happened. You know, you've had a president, and who even during the before he became president, when he was running to be president, who was just operating within an entirely different universe to the mainstream media, right. you know, with his own his own set of facts, his own set of accusations, his own set of promises, and then it became became a sick twisted sideshow for four years. But that I feel like that disconnect that people now have to um, mainstream accepted discourse and facts and reality, like that schism has just been fully achieved, it seems, in the United States. Mm. And I and what what does that mean for the future? I don't know. You know, it's it's uh you know, the, 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 the political process is probably fucked, um, <laughs> you know. But as you were pointing out, the political process, I mean, I remember sitting in, is, is shit anyway. I remember sitting in uh, in year 11 politics or year 12 international politics and we're sitting there and we go, oh, this is gerrymandering. This is how the politicians in America, because there isn't a separate electoral office, right. uh, manip- manipulate the the uh the jurisdictions to make sure their constituents vote for them and all the rest right. of it. And I'm like, right. this is just allowed to happen. It's like <laughs> yeah. it's it's in the textbook. And I'm like, why don't they change this? Oh yeah. Because yeah. people are really okay, here's how lobbyists work in America. Blah 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 blah. Again, in the fucking textbook. Like no one no one who spends ten minutes looking at this, you know, it ends up going, Oh, this is an amazing process. Oh, this really serves the people. Oh, you know, the world's going to be better. And I mean, like, yeah, you know, I Joe Biden's in. The Democrats have a lot of power. And I just can't wait, Rob. You know, the the, the mines are going to, uh, are all going to just, they're going to close all the mines. The, the trees and the forests are going to go brack. You know, the oceans are going to be cleansed. The 1% who own all the wealth in the world, they're going to hand it back. They're going to get everyone out of prison. All the drug laws are going to be reformed. All the racism is going to end. All the disadvantage. The world's fixed because, you know, the right, the right people are in charge. So, you know, I'm just so excited and so f- overflowing with, with, with joy and excitement for the future, Rob. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, it's, it's like, to me, the American political process was already like a massive turd, you know, and now, now it's, it's. It's like it's like it's not just like a pile of shit. It's yeah. like disease, and infectious. Yeah, you know? but, yeah. You um, think there'd be bipartisan was, ref, bipartisan support for electoral reform, right? Every election, the party who loses is going to scream foul. Well, that that speaks to the need for some independent independent board that you know improves the reliability of your system. That there'd be some of that, but you know, so little of the discussion in 
uh, the way Trump's electoral fraud grievance was treated was was about, hey, like maybe we do need to improve the system. It's just left by the wayside. It is left by the wayside. But even in Australia, like, look, we're lucky. We have the AEC, the Australian mm-hmm. Electoral Commission, mm-hmm. which is like this independent arm yeah. that regu- regulates elections. Very helpful and important in Australia. But we've got some pretty awful uh, political funding loopholes. Mm. And do you reckon there's any bipartisan yeah. support for changing those in Australia? Yeah. Zero, buddy. Yeah. Because uh, Both why, would you be, <clears throat> why, why would you be a politician if you couldn't exploit your power to for some benefit? You mm. know? So otherwise there'd be no fun in it. You'd actually have to be interested in taking care of people and making the place better. <laughs> so there is not bipartisan support for things that are generally good for a for the citizens and for a, a fair process, particularly if they're in opposition to, yeah, but hang on, how am I going to get to work for a big Chinese investment board for the next 30 years after I do, you know, my eight years of <laughs> granting favours for whoever I need to grant favours for? I mean, yeah, like politi- politics is a racket. And like, uh, I guess what Trump has done, you know, is... He's just gone, he's walked into something and he's gone, well, look, it's already a racket. I'm just going to, you know, turn turn the volume to 10. But Yeah, that's where I think that a lot of these Trump riders that, um, you know, the sentiment that they hold is, you know, is exactly what you're expressing. They don't have the words to express it in the way you can. But it's that, it's that, real, it's that real sense that establishment types have let them down for 30 years. They got... Uh, a lot of these people got screwed over by trade deals, uh, didn't relocate to where the jobs were. A lot of these people uh, became dependent on opiates. Uh, they've probably seen a suicide in their life. You know, they haven't particularly had had some. Uh, they haven't fared well in the past twenty, thirty years, and it's a political grievance that uh, Trump gave voice to. And they could they could redirect all their energy, all their frustration with the system. Like, for goodness sake, the amount of vaccines that are being thrown away because you know we can't um, we can't find enough people to give them to. Um, they go off. There are you know problems with uh, the bureaucracies administering the vaccines, um, giving it to the wrong people. You know, the, Pfizer had a hundred thousand doses that were left unpurchased. A couple of weeks ago, the U.S. government didn't purchase it. The Canadian government didn't purchase it. Pfizer always said they had an extra 100,000 doses. I mean, like, you know, there is a crisis of authority. There is uh, an absolute decline in the competence of government officials. And I think what a lot of the Trump uh, supporters were, were reflecting in their anger was a complete dissatisfaction with the establishment performance. Yeah, and that's probably why, you know, and that goes back to why Trump did so well. And I agree with you. But, like, the idea, the question that arose in my head when you were talking before is, like, what group of society doesn't have a really good, valid reason to be jumping up and down, smashing windows in Capitol Hill? (laughs) All of them do. Yeah. Yeah. What about the environment? What about everyone who's ever thought, hey, take care of the environment, stop destroying this place and start start acting as though we're stewards over something special that's getting destroyed. Awesome reason to break the shit out of that building. (laughs) Awesome reason, you know? (laughs) What about people who are frustrated at the amount of money that goes to military spending when there's still so many POV people in America? What about all of the veterans who, like, kill themselves and don't have any money and live on the streets? Come back with PTSD, yeah. And aren't taken care of? Yeah. those people have a reason to stand up in Washington and smash all the fucking windows. Right. What about what about what about the parents of all these kids who get shot at schools, uh, but by people who just shouldn't be allowed to buy guns but can because you know eight years of Obama couldn't even get the assault rifles out of Kmart. Like Jesus, like you know, like there's there are reason upon reason upon reason to be totally dissatisfied and appalled at the at at all the people who work in that building and you know it's you know in this particular instance these guys were summoned by the president and with his 
seal of approval, you know, they, they were really welcomed. There was a so, direct call to action for sure. Yeah. 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 All right. So, Main, sorry. No, go on, Rob. I think we did tie up that, that topic pretty well. And just one further point, some people are, are criticizing any comparisons to BLM protesters because, you know, they had a genuine grievance of uh, police brutality and, and uh, continuing racism in the States. And, you know, I, I'm not here to compare the claims and to what extent one claim is uh, more true than the other. All I would say is that the degree of conviction for each of those beliefs is probably the same. There's probably um, people who are smashing up Kmart out of a feeling of injustice, police injustice, have a genuine fear of uh, that police officers aren't treating them fairly to the same extent that Trump supporters genuinely believed that the election was rigged. And I'm not saying uh, those Trump supporters are right to feel that way or it's a, a rational thing to do to storm the Capitol building, but the the conviction of that theory is the same. Yeah, it is. And what, like, I guess the main thing I wanted to talk about uh, on this was just the lesson I drew from, and it takes a little bit of empathy, but when you deal with Donald Trump and his supporters, it's really unhelpful and actually inaccurate to treat him as some sort of fringe figure, right? So, you know, he's the he was the you know freely elected president of the United States of America. He won the Republican uh, was it primaries? You see, I, I sort of know some things about American politics, but anyway. The point is, he's a super mainstream figure. He's the fucking president, right? Yeah. Um, and Ted Cruz and these other Republicans are super mainstream Republicans. They're they're calling fraud too. So as an Australian, you have to go, okay, so I, I picked the right-leaning political mainstream political party in Australia, Scott Morrison, uh, a bunch of, of significant Liberal Party people, maybe Tony Abbott, maybe uh, Malcolm Turnbull when he was there, whatever. You'd expect better of good old Malcolm, but whatever. The point is, you'd, you'd have, and imagine those, imagine those, imagine those figures in mainstream society of that level of influence and importance, saying that an election was rigged. That's what you have to do. And when I thought about that, I was like, yeah, like I'm actually surprised that they haven't used all their guns, you know? <laughs> like, and I really hope they don't. And maybe, maybe more of them will. And yeah, it could really have been stupid, much worse. And people need to not do that because that's a disaster. Um, but I'm actually really surprised that guns haven't been a thing and grenades haven't been a thing, you know, because it's devastating to say that such important mainstream political figures are basically participating in fundamentally like undemocratic practices. But that's what's happening. And people have voted Republican all their lives. People have all this history around it. And in a way, it's like you'd hope that there's enough trust in politicians, in mainstream politicians, in presidents, that people take the claims of electoral fraud seriously enough to go in and protest. Because that, you know, and I was saying to you off air before, it's like, I couldn't think of anything more distinctly American than when you think an election fraud's happening, going around and breaking some shit. <laughs> like that's that's important. Yeah. So in a way, it's like it's important these things happen. It's important that the Republican Party isn't just some cesspit full of lies and deceit, and that people have some trust on it. Because if the Democrats were just the only party around, I guarantee you that wouldn't turn out to be a great result, right? So these parties need to actually have believers on both sides have to argue for things and and contend and now it seems like any position you take on the republican perspective or the trump perspective is just totally unreasonable and awful and can't possibly be believed and should be tossed out with the rest of your rubbish and it's like well hang on this is the political process this is this two-party system and if a whole side of that system thinks something was rigged and masterminded and and, and cheated it's really, really important that Americans protest that. Just like I would be protesting in potentially really serious ways here if, if a similar thing was to occur. Mm -hmm. 
you know, it's just you have to superimpose this experience on the disgrace of their electoral system already, as you pointed to. And, and, you know, so it's complicated, but in a way, you know, there's, yeah, they shouldn't have gotten violent and they shouldn't have hurt that police officer and they shouldn't have done such stupid things to get themselves shot. But that's what happens when groups of angry people get together, right? They create these hurricanes these human hurricanes and human hurricanes break shit and hurt people. And that's just always, it's always happened at every protest ever, pretty much. It's, that's full of a lot of anger. Even these hippie protests can get pretty outrageous, but it's wrong that that happened. But, you know, in a way there's a level of heroism there. If you're genuinely of the belief that your democracy is at threat, if you genuinely believe because someone's lied to you, but you genuinely believe that an election was stolen from you and your country to go out there and protest and storm the Capitol and say, you people work for us and this is wrong and you can't steal it. It's mis- it's misdirected courage. And it's, it's in, and, in, and, and, and these people's courage is being preyed upon by a bunch of lying evil motherfuckers. But there's still some courage in that, you know, and I, and I think it's important to empathize with these people and, and uh, imagine if you were being spoken to by your hero that way. How? What sort of energy would you sum up for for that protest? Yeah. You know, Trump sent and me. So, Trump sent me. That's that's, that's what yeah. a lot of them said. Yeah. yeah. So you know, it's like it's it's a disgrace. That's what that's where the country's at. But that that seems like considering how many guns these people have. I'll say it again. They have so many guns, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> More like, guns than people. They're 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 actually kind of behaving. You know, so. Yeah, let's yeah. hope it, let's hope it stays that way. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting take. So to zoom out from the discussion around January six, let's move on to Trump's Twitter ban. So after after the siege, uh, Twitter, in addition to Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube. Reddit, TikTok, Discord, and even Pinterest all announced that they would be banning Trump. Shopify announced it would no longer sell Trump campaign merchandise. And the credit card processing company Stripe will now no longer process Trump's campaign donations. So in addition to that, tens of thousands of right-leaning accounts uh, across multiple platforms were also nuked. Uh, within days, Apple and Google announced they would remove the popular conservative Twitter alternative Parler from their respective app stores. Hours later, Amazon Web Services stated they would no longer host the company, the company being Parler. So there's been a, a, a tech, a, a coordinated move on the part of tech companies to, to ban Trump and to ban you know Trump-adjacent voices. My initial thoughts about this, Jules, is, um, you know, I can understand, I can understand Twitter uh, as a private company having the right to, to, to host and to, to, to boot off anyone it wants from its platform, but I can't help but feel that the end effect of all of this is going to be the you know, increasing polarization of the internet, where, you know, at least Twitter theoretically staged left leaning voices right leaning voices and there was at least some platform for them to engage i think what we're going to see now is the increasing you know you know fragmentation of the internet where you're going to have right wing this and left wing that and right wing this and left wing that um do you have any thoughts on on the twitter ban he's the president of the united states it's unbelievable you know it's it's yeah uh, part of me's like i guess the question i want to throw up is like why now yeah this is cuz 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 like cuz a few windows got smashed and a cop died i mean this 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 you know these people let this man take office <laughs> it's yeah like yeah, i i feel like i feel like if that was the precipice you know like it's and 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 that was the justifiable harm. It's like oh, you know, it's like well, hang on. Trump's done an amazing amount of damage for a very long time. You let this whole thing come alive, and now you're sort of running away from it because there was a pretty shocking protest. I mean, 
Yeah, I I've been thinking it's it's a it was a geniusly timed business move. You can extract all the engagement and ad dollars from Trump while he's president. Wait till the end of his presidency. Uh, boot him off the platform, and yeah, that's while right. simultaneously gaining all the ad dollars, you can simultaneously appease all the woke advertisers yeah. because you stand yeah. on the right side of history for banning yeah. Trump off yeah, your platform. Yeah. They're, not, they're not giving back all the advertising money, are <laughs> yeah. they, Rob? These woke no, companies not... are great business people. <laughs> can... Yeah, and exa- exactly. What, 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 what motivates <laughs> them? Like, they're... Yeah. I, I don't know. They shouldn't be trusted either. No one should be trusted. Yeah. Um, but I think like yeah, go on. Very interested to see who the Republicans throw up next and what what the politics of America looks like post Trump. You know, because and what's going to be tolerated, you know, by these tech people, you know. Cuz like does the Republican party just look like Trump politics from now on? And if someone's if someone who fills in for Trump starts uh, sounding like Trump, talking like Trump, promising like things J- like Trump. Josh Hawley. Repub- uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, do, 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 do Republicans just get banned from social media? You yeah. Know? It's like, is that is that what happens? Yeah. I had a really depressing moment the other night when I was reading all of this because, you know, you were always told that, you know, Twitter's a private company. By the way, side note, it's it's funny how, <laughs> how many uh, left-leaning commentators instantly became libertarians like overnight you know i've never heard these people say you know they're a private company they can do whatever they want but it's interesting um (laughs) but um you know twitter is a private company it can it can do what it wants uh but then the competitor parlor who popped up that's you know the market market up play they got banned by amazon web hosting now i think they've had to scramble and find a you know, Why pa- on what basis? Because yeah, so, they're happy to. Continue. They're going to host Trump. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. So, so Parler, Parler said it would host Trump. No, but the reason why the reason why Amazon Web Services cancelled its contract with Parler, it booted Parler off its hosting platform, was because apparently it hadn't take quick enough steps to stamp out some you know incitement, some post from some Trump supporter, which apparently was inciting violence, and then so they. They booted, uh, Amazon booted Parler off its web services. But the interesting thing is that Twitter is also hosted on Amazon web services and Twitter has also hosted Trump stuff and Trump supporter, Trump supporters allegedly inciting violence, yet Amazon web hosting services didn't, didn't boot Twitter off its mm off its servers. So yeah. how much, how much, uh, how much Twitter stock does Jeff Bezos own? Yeah, well, I mean, Twitter's a much bigger contract for for Amazon than than Parler is. So again, it's it's Amazon could Amazon could be seen to have um, a conflict of interest. Conflict of interest. Yeah, Parler actually did bring a lawsuit uh, alleging a conflict of interest, and it's interesting. I mean, there are no antitrust or like you know a, a cartel like action which can be brought against all these tech companies because they're not all raising prices together. But it's like it's an interesting kind of you know outside the box argument well you know are they acting like a t- cartel if they don't increase prices altogether but if they all make the same business moves in dumping a customer this cu- customer being parlor i don't know it's interesting but yeah i mean the the thing about parlor is though now a couple of weeks after it's been it's um it's been booted off amazon it has found another web hosting company which markets itself as a right leaning web hosting service so, is this just going to be, you know, yeah. the acceleration of this trend is going to be, you know, you're going to have to declare your political allegiance and support companies who align with you politically no matter what. The bakery you go to has to be a right-leaning bakery for you to buy bread. Like, is this where we're going? I don't know. I've, I've, I've got a new bakery. It's amazing. <laughs> it's not right-wing, is it? I, I, no, I'm sure it's very left-wing. Okay. Um, but the bread's delicious, which is what I'll care about more. Uh, We've been baking yeah. bread over here. We're back in lockdown, and it's, it's a good activity. So the the loaf I bought today actually has some little some seaweed in it. Oh, 
Wow. It's 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 amazing. Very um, Melbourne. Wag- I think it's called Wagame <laughs> or Magame. Anyway, um, is wild. What's it called? Wild Bakery. I can't remember. But anyway, the food, the bakery, the bread's amazing. Um, <laughs> Wildlife. That's what it's called. Uh, Little plug for Brunswick, the bakery on the Brun- podcast. <laughs> Brunswick East, Albert Street. Um, yeah. Maybe well, they'll ban you as like, a customer well, now, Jules. You should be careful. <laughs> hey, hey, I, I'm not, I'm not right leaning. Um, no, Robbie, what is supposed to happen to all these Trump supporters? That's what I like don't understand. Yeah. yeah, like that's that's and that's that's sort of what like I'm really interested to see what happens in the future. You know, are they are they all just like a bunch of assholes that deserve to be ostracized from society? And you know, if 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 that's the case, there's a bloody lot of them. You know, and you know, in Australia, you know, we've had liberal government for a very long time, and it looks like, to be honest. It's going to stay that way for longer. I mean, we've, for international listeners, know, liberal government's the right, right-leaning government in Oz. You know, and so like where you know, I mean, Scomo's no, is uh, no Trump, but you know, maybe we can do a podcast on uh, reminding Australians of how many unbelievably anti-democratic occurrences have happened in the last ten years of government here. Yeah, um, you know, including you know doctors being threatened with jail time for uh whistleblowing uh when working at uh refugee camps in yeah. Australia you know so this just to you know and and using the military as a way to just do whatever you want and not have to answer questions and all kinds of bullshit that happens here um so yeah rob i don't know it's like uh if you're a political leader and you don't support gay marriage you're going to get kicked off facebook like, do you have to be inciting violence? I mean, look, inciting violence is a serious issue. Yeah. You can't be inciting, you can't be inciting violence, you know, and, and, and the government in Australia really aggressively actually went after Facebook after that New Zealand terrorist attack for not being able to get his live stream video off sooner. So, you know, I've seen Facebook targeted for these sorts of things. I mean, yeah, are they publishers? Are they just, you know, there's all that. You know, right. they publish that content right. or they're just hosting it all this stuff i mean like yeah. it's it's dense but it seems like that trend you're pointing to where the the internet starts to almost get split in half uh i feel like that's what's going to happen to society it's going to get split in half you know and maybe people are going to maybe more and more uh people are going to live in certain areas you know, because they know that people around here believe certain things. You know, yeah. Gonna, you know, maybe maybe there's just going to be this escalation in division amongst all people. Yeah. Particularly in America. Well, you're already seeing that to some extent in the States. Apparently, at least anecdotally, there have been reports of, you know, people flocking to red states and blue states and, you know, making sure their neighbors think exactly like them, <laughs> which is good for society, I guess. Well, if, Not your, at neighbors all, were, but, if your neighbors were yeah. a bunch of racist bastards, like... Fair enough, you know, but like how many of these Trump supporters are, you know, pieces of shit and my, as people and my tendency is to maybe assume a little bit better of people and go, you know, maybe they've, yeah, I, I, look, I really hope they're not awful and racist. Maybe a lot of them are, you know? Yeah. I mean, 70 million people voted for him. Do you think all of them are racist? I mean, Trump had the highest non-white non-white vote of any Republican in modern history, much higher yeah. than his non-white vote in, in 2016, um, mm. you know, so, you know, and, you know how many it's of complicated. His how many of his supporters have been overseas? How many of his supporters have had really awesome educations, you know, and been, been you know, how many of his supporters have got diverse backgrounds and, and, and diverse exposure? Right. You know, it's like <clears throat> people, people, I don't know. Like, I put it this way. I don't see banning discussion as the solution, you know, and what you're going to have is more and more zealots uh, emerging and more and more fuel given to the fire. Yeah. Uh, that That is these people's frustration. So, but you can't be inciting violence. And if you're inciting violence, yeah, you, d- you definitely need to be off the internet and you probably should be hopefully in jail. So, right. You know, but, um, yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know 
exactly what we think is going to happen when we when we ban everyone off certain platforms and think that that's magically going to allow these ideas to go away and that's magically going to convince these people of the error of their ways i mean that's you know the one of the best arguments against censorship is that you know if you censor someone then you lose the chance to convince them as to why they're wrong and uh, yeah, exactly. i think we need to go and back to that that value yeah, of just, open discourse and that's right you follow if you follow what you're prophesizing through it just means those people will just be non-engages to other right. ideas yeah and they'll they'll exist in worlds where that are unchecked that are just totally right wing right where everything everything that they read and 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 watch is supportive of that particular worldview um and they go from you know having a well-established regulatory framework to just an open slather. That's what it sounds like, you know, once you've got, once you're hosted on right-wing tech and you're on right-wing social media with right-wing posters and right-wing supporters, you know, it's going to, it's going to be, it's going to be this disparate universe. But I mean, that was what was happening on Facebook anyway, right? So, yeah. 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 It's, it's, uh, it's very interesting and, and it's probably a little bit terrifying, but you know, <laughs> Well, Everything's okay, man. The Democrats what, are in, Rob. Everything's that's okay. That's what we're here for, Jules. We're bringing people together. We're allowing a proper discussion of the views. No, I I mean, I do think, I do hold out a lot of hope for, for things like, you know, independent podcasting, independent YouTubing. I do hope, I do hope people are sick of the, the polarization. I do hope people are sick of the politicization of everything and they can kind of go to places where they get some nuance, you know, get an understanding of the arguments on all sides and, um, you know, have some empathy for people, call out people when they're full of shit, but, um, you know, call out Trump for being a megalomaniac, dangerous president for inciting violence in the way he did. But hopefully people can come together. <sighs> I don't know. And like, I don't know. And I, look, I understand. How it, look, I, I was recently on a camping trip. I can finish with this, Robin. Um, there was this awesome big really big like mongolian family they're amazing and they were camped next to some grumpy ass tattoo covered uh i'm gonna indulge in you know i would say ice smoking bone skinny uh redneck assholes and uh they got they suffered some racism and they the next night asked if they could camp next to us. And I said, you know, I asked him, I said, what happened? And he said, oh, he doesn't like us and whatever. And I was so upset, you know, I was so upset. Um, we all were, my crew that we, I was camping with. Yeah. Anyway, we spent the next two days like dining and, and hanging out with the family and mucking around with their kids. And it was, it was so beautiful. And I think we all made an effort to put uh, energy into socializing and participating with them to make up for the awful experience they had. And for a while there, I wanted to go up to the racist dudes and, you know, yell at them yeah, um, and be mean to them. But I was like, I remember sitting there with my brother and we're eating this amazing Mongolian food they cooked for us. They like, they like heated up these special cooking stones and laid it with their meat. And it was, it was, and I was sitting there and I was like, Man, the racists lose anyway. Mm. They mm. lose anyway. Because, you know, they could have shared in special Mongolian meals and hung out with these awesome kids and um, and and experienced this really cool ancient culture and just met some people and built connections and all the rest of it. And instead, you know, they got to hang out at their tent, you know, smoke ice and be on their fucking own where they belong. So... I don't know. It's like if you take the perspective that the racists lose anyway, I think that sort of makes you feel a little bit better about all this, you know? I don't know. Sometimes that was just the idea that I had, you know? Sometimes, you know, these people don't even need to be ostracized sometimes. They just end up alone on their own, yeah. you know? They you can know? just wallow in their hatred for the world. And yeah, and that's where they end up. Eventually realize you know? the error of their ways. And, and when you're and when you're open and you're sending love out to the universe, like you make friends, you know. So I, uh, you know, I wish these people all the all the best in their self inflicted misery. But yeah, you know, I don't want anyone to ever think if they listen to me talk that 
that would ever support any of this bullshit that these people have. But my first instinct isn't to uh, destroy them or banish them from existence. You know, it's like there has to be a way to hopefully win them over. But you know, if they're if they're being properly awful, then yeah, they need to be put away. But mm-hmm. um, these people also have this uncanny knack of making their lives shit for themselves anyway. You know, we can, mm-hmm. we can thank the goodness of karma for that. You know? Yeah. It must be exhausting to be a racist. <laughs> it, it surely to- has to be. <laughs> anyway. Well, Jules, I think we've done, a, we've done a good number on this and appreciate your time. And I guess we'll see everyone very soon, potentially even next week. All right, Rockstar. Thanks very much. All insane. And one final thing. If you enjoyed this episode, please spread the word and let your friends and family know about it. And also, if you haven't already, make sure you hit subscribe. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button and notification bell. See you next time.